I don't know if you can get more real or more embarrassing than this first question I'm going to ask you. There, there's no such thing. What's your name? Oh. Because <laughs> you go by Whiskey Watches on Instagram, and I've looked everywhere for your name, and I couldn't find uh, You it. know what? My, my name is almost... It's, it's almost mute everywhere. But my name is Donald. Welcome back to Whiskey with Jackie James. We are talking today with Donald Payne, a.k.a. Whiskey Watches on Instagram. He's a producer, an author, an engineer, a father. In this episode, we're going to talk about Donald's story as a black man working with a former member of the KKK, sizing people up when we meet them, including Donald's story and his perspective of meeting me for the first time, which was um, interesting, Uh, caring what other people think, do we care too much? And then I'm going to share my story and my own personal concerns about drinking too much during this pandemic and in isolation. And Donald's going to share with us about watches and talk to us about his experiences of shopping for high-end luxury items like watches as a black man and what his insecurities were when he first started out. We're also going to learn about watches as a status statement and talk a little bit about Japanese whiskey. Donald, what are you drinking today? I've got a very unique private select, Maker's Mark private select. I don't know what they did or how they did it, but it is very reminiscent of a Japanese whiskey. Whoever did this blend, from what I was told, it was a uh, Jim Beam Suntory blend. It ended up tasting like an actual Japanese whiskey. It's it's very unique and very good. You know, a lot of people don't realize that Suntory bought Jim Beam. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of funny sometimes just being Asian, you know, some people will say, oh, there's no Asians that know bourbon or drink bourbon. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure Suntory bought Jim Beam. (laughs) Right. Right. Okay, Donald, so let's dive into this. You are an amazing black man and a friend who knows his whiskey, knows his watches. I have many questions, but, you know, really just want to see organically how this conversation goes about um, and see what comes to light. Let me, let me, I'm going to help you before we even get started. Good. I'm going to help you with something that I know is it's tough because in, in my world, I've always, I've always worked with white people for the most part. I very, very seldom in in my field work with other black people. You know, we are so far and few between in my field. And tell me your field when you say your field. Believe it or not, I'm an electrician, but I'm also um, an engineer. Ever since I came out of high school, all the companies that I've worked for, been predominantly white. Side note, because I bet you wouldn't guess this about me, just like you're probably thinking I would never guess you were an engineer. I actually did PR for the American Council of Engineering Companies in DC. Oh, yeah. So I know about engineers. And my dad was a civil engineer. I planned events. And I had come from Mm -hmm. Nissan, North America, the car industry, and I planned events for them. And I used to have to budget like four drinks per hour per attendee for Nissan parties. And then when I Mm -hmm. went to engineers, it was like 0.025 drink per hour per engineer. (laughs) As an electrician, obviously you have to start out as an apprentice. Most of the white people that I encountered coming up in the trades were actually very helpful. And in my book, 
I actually talked about this guy who had Ku Klux Klan ties. He had proof. He had pictures. He had everything else that you can think of. And he actually came to me and brought me all the information that I could possibly want in order to achieve my goal of becoming a journeyman electrician um, and, and getting my license. Now, I don't know if that was guilt on his part. I don't know if it was the fact that he just had a change of heart, but he was legitimately part of the KKK, but yet found something in me to help me achieve the goal that I was trying to reach. And, and I found that very interesting. And from that time, moving forward, the encounters that I've had, now I've had some bad encounters, none that I've been beaten or um, kicked out of anywhere or anything like that. But I've gone to play as, as a watch person, you know, you're going mm-hmm. pretty high. Many, shot. many layers of racism out there. Oh, yeah. So he was legitimately, uh, he was a member of the KKK. Yeah. Were you the first black person that you think he actually got to know? I'm not sure if I was the first black person that he got to know. But at the time, he was probably in his, I had to guess, I would say his 50s or 60s. He was no longer with his southern KKK friends. He was working with me. What if you guys ran into some of his old KKK buddies and you were out? How do you think he would react? Uh, well, number one, there was a huge age difference. So I'm pretty sure we would never be out and about. But uh, I, I don't, I'm, I'm pretty sure if we were out and he ran into his KKK buddies, he would probably have a sidebar story like, yeah, I hired this guy to help me or something like that. And, or it, it wouldn't be we were out as friends. I'm fairly confident. I mean, when... Based on the pictures he showed me and the things that uh, we discussed, I, I, a, matter, a matter of fact, I don't think he would have went out with me regardless. He didn't have a problem in private helping me out and helping me get to where I wanted to go. But in public, I don't, I don't think he would have. He just doesn't want to be seen as he didn't want to be seen as someone that was, you know, succumbing to, you know, being kind to minorities. Or what have you. I, I just, yeah, I don't think in hindsight, he wouldn't, he wouldn't go out with me. And again, that's what I hope for our next generation and for ours, that people stop caring so much what other people think and stop trying to impress everybody. No one remembers when you're gone. Right. Anyway, well, you know, it, it's, it's yeah. like, look at that, how sad that is. He could have a beautiful friendship with you, but be so scared of the judgment. And, you know, some of those conversations I'm having right now with police officer friends of mine that don't want to speak up or go on my podcast because of the fear of how they will be judged. And it's just so much fear, all of this, so much fear of what everyone thinks. And we just we need more leaders. The George Floyd uh, murder actually showed you that there were there were three other people standing around or four other people standing around that could have easily knocked him off of the guy and said, Hey man, okay, enough. He's handcuffed. Leave him alone. But instead they all stuck together. They didn't want to be seen as a rogue officer. And they just all stood there and let it all happen. And that's, and isn't that why they say the only, or all you need for evil to, succeed is for good people to stand by and do nothing exactly exactly that's 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 exactly it here's what i think 
think a lot of times when a white person is introduced to a black person, I think they size you up in the beginning. You know, how do you talk? How do you act? Are you the Saturday night party black person? Or are you the, the athlete? What, what exact, how are you coming at me? And I think that helps them to figure out which window they want to open to you. Do you do that too? Do you think, do you size people up when you meet them? Yes. Yes. I and that, too. that's human nature. You, you have to. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm, I'm the type of person that I see things at face value and I'm pretty good at judging character. Um, and when I, when I see a person, I can automatically tell, let's go back to, um, meeting you for the first time in Louisville, mm-hmm. you were, um, you were standoffish and looking at you from the, from the outside, looking in, trying, you know, to determine, you know, how do you say hi, how do you introduce yourself? It looked like you just kind of had your own program. Mm-hmm. And that's totally fair. That is definitely something I'm aware of um, in general. But when I, I'm still learning how to balance, I get a little fearful of drinking alcohol and too much in front of people I don't know or, you know, what's being recorded and what's not. But uh, when you say I was standoffish, did you feel that was personal to you or to the whole group? No, that was you. That was to the whole group. I mean, those that knew you obviously had conversation with you, but I know uh, I was with Ryan. You know, he he kind of was like, well, you know, hey, hey I think that's uh, Jackie James. You know, he says, uh, he's, you know, and it was kind of more like, I think it's her, but I don't want to speak to her because I don't know. She looked like she's doing her own thing over there. So we just kind of were trying to figure out who people were and. You know, because obviously some people you've seen their face, some people you've only seen their name. Even even on that trip, I I wasn't standoffish, but I want I was I was nervous about the perception of me being there. How am I going to be received? Because you know I'm fairly confident I'm going to be like one of the only black people in this in this group. You know, and in my case, um, nobody had really ever seen my face. They've only seen my post and my my uh, Instagram handle. Right. And, um, you know, just for clarification, I didn't know anybody on that trip when I walked on. I actually hadn't met a single person um, before. So, yeah, I had gotten oh. some Instagram messages, but I didn't know anybody. But that's, you know, another reason I'm grateful for whiskey, because <laughs> it's just it's good to be aware of those things. You know, you had mentioned before that sometimes people will judge you for being black since your photos are not as much on your Instagram. And I was curious if maybe hear about some of those stories how people do react when they see you or meet you for the first time. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's funny because I, a lot of my coworkers and I, 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 I'm not exaggerating. They always ask me, they say, are you sure you're black? <laughs> because things that I'm into are not typical things that they believe black people are into. Scotch, bourbon, high end watches, and you always have to give them that correction, you know, and help them. I said, look, we're all people. We all have our own things that we like to do. I said, in the color of my skin doesn't mean that I can't have an appreciation for finer things. You know, when they say, hey, listen, you know, hey, you're very articulate. You know, I'm surprised. And I'm like, surprised why? Well, you know, because you're just – 
you speak well. <laughs> for like, a black man. Oh, yeah, for a black man. It's like, wait a minute, but you know, I'm using the King's English. What, what, how am I supposed to speak? You know. So now, so we, to be fair, do you think, how many of these people do you think are aware of how they're coming across? I mean, I know I check myself. Do you ever get tired of being kind and saying, you know, trying to explain it? It, it all depends. It all depends. Okay. And, and, and I'm glad you said that because sometimes you can, you can explain it in a jokingly, in a joking way. And people will say, Oh, I didn't mean, I didn't mean it that way. It's just that you know, I'm just something I'm not used to hearing, you know, when I, when I assume how, how blacks talk. And do they take the onus on them? Like in the future, I need to be more aware or do they take it like you're being sensitive? They take it that they need to be more aware that, Good. you know, Good. that not everybody talks like the uh, Fat Albert characters on television. And hopefully that will help make people a little bit more aware and conscientious when they're speaking. Um, shifting gears, it is Father's Day, and I know you have three girls. My dad passed away, and he always said lessons are caught, not taught. Another thing my dad would tell me, which I have failed at, during COVID-19 and during isolation, he would always say, mm -hmm. only drink to feel even better. Meaning, don't drink if you're having a bad day. Don't drink to solve your problems. Drink to celebrate, you know, but only drink to feel even better. And I really lived by that up until this coronavirus. <laughs> I well, will say you know I, I leaned on alcohol a bit. And I was curious if you've experienced that or any um, advice for me on not over consuming my beloved whiskey. <laughs> I'm glad you said that because I'm going to be perfectly honest here. Mm -hmm. And not that I, I, I was not, I repeat, I was not an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. But as a, as a younger man, I never used to drink to understand drinking. Mm -hmm. I used my goal was to drink to get high. You know, that's what we used to do as kids. And I literally, believe it or not, I laid off of all whiskey, wine, beer of all sorts for 20 years. But as I became a more mature man and started to, started to get interested in single malt scotch, I started to get interested in high-end bourbons because I'm like, well, what is the fascination here? Because obviously when I used to drink, um, you know, uh, Hennessy and Coke, none of, you know, none of it ever made me feel all that great. So, I'm, you know, I was trying to find out what is the fascination. So instead of just drinking to satisfy a need to be drunk, you know, I, I learned to understand drinking for the taste, drinking a dram as opposed to a glass. Uh, and for those know, that don't know, a dram is a pour of whiskey or a spirit. Because remember, not everybody yeah. knows what a dram means. <laughs> right, 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 right. That's true. You know, so um, in learning about nosing, palate, taste, it, I don't, I, I very, very seldom get drunk drinking whiskey. I, I mean, because normally after a couple of glasses, you're all, you're pretty much satisfied. You know, I mean, you can go back and get a third and if you're socializing, but after a couple of glasses sitting at home by yourself, you're, 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 you're pretty much satisfied. Well, I think that's been with COVID 
there were so many Zoom happy hours, calls, back to back. And normally I would schedule like one, and you know, whiskey meetings, there's always whiskey, but I would pace it out better when it was in person. And, you know, it's funny because what's kept me from getting, what's really held me back is how much I respect my whiskey. (laughs) And like, oh no, if I've already had a couple, I'm not going to waste this on me now, you know, like, cause I get, as you do, we get samples sent to us all the time. Right. And I want to be respectful and make sure I'm not sampling something when I've already had a couple glasses of something else. And I don't have the, the fresh, you know, mind and palate to go after it. I've tried to set some things up for myself. Like, okay, you can drink on Tuesdays and Thursdays, or, you know, I have bought every liver supplement on Amazon (laughs) worried that I'm, killing my liver during this time, you know? And then there was a time where I said, well, I'm just gonna buy some like cheap stuff that I don't care about to drink. And it was like, why then? Now I'm losing my whole purpose of doing this to begin with. But you know, but but I will say this, the the COVID, I mean, unfortunately you're sitting at home um, and uh, unfortunately you're at home alone and there's only so much television there's only so many hobbies you can get involved in and you have a relief in your whiskey. I mean, and you, I, you're not hurting yourself if you're not overindulging. I mean, if, if you know you're drunk, you, I don't think you're overindulging. It's when you're like, Oh, I'm fine. Trust me. You know, next thing you know, you fall down three flights of stairs, <laughs> but you know, I just I, call I, everyone I, and tell them how much I love them. <laughs> Well, okay. All right. All right. So you know I can talk about whiskey for hours upon hours, but watches. Let's talk about watches. And I remember you telling me some stories about how you were treated. Um, And I think, yeah, it's uncomfortable, but I think we should talk about it just to help build awareness. It's funny you just said that because I just went through this with a watch company. Now, watches actually is my first passion. Okay. So initially... I already knew that when I when I go somewhere and I'm I'm going to look at a Rolex, a, a Patek, a Artemis Piquet, or something like that. I know I, I I can't dress like I'm about to go on to the basketball court. I knew I needed to present myself in a in a certain way because I was going to a certain place that was considered a high end place. I don't know of anybody that would just roll up into. Um, Tiffany. I do. I mean, I feel like it's very arrogant or ignorant if a store owner would judge you off of wearing your basketball shorts. A lot of times the people with a ton of money don't dress up because they want to be under the radar. You know, I mean, you've seen those pictures of like Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg and, you know, in T-shirts. And um, I feel like that is very prevalent, at least in L.A. Right. Well, well, and and that's to my point. When I first got into watches and stuff, that was... That was what I did as as a uh, self conscious thing, knowing okay, black guy, <clears throat> excuse me, going to a store to look at these pieces, you probably should present yourself better. You know that was my assumption. So what I did, I went to several different stores, several stores that I went into. You know when you buy a watch. The idea, especially if you buy a Rolex, you don't want to buy if it's especially if it's pre-owned. You don't want to buy a pre-owned Rolex unless you can touch it, 
unless you can feel it, unless they've got paperwork for it, because there's so many fakes that it's easy to get burned. You know what I mean? So I went to a store and I went in and I said, hey, listen, um, I was wondering if you had the, this particular Rolex. Oh, yeah, we have one here. We have one in, in, in our safe in the back. So I said, okay. I said, you know, I'd like to check it out. And they bring the watch out and they hold it in their, in their hand and put both hands out as if it's, it's on a platter, <laughs> you know, and just letting you look at it. I said, well, you know, I, I'd like to check it. I want to check the links and see if it's you know, the links are worn or whatever the case may be. Oh, well, do you have your driver's license with you? I'm like, well, yes, but, you know, I don't want to drive the watch. I just, you know, I just want to, you know, I want to touch and feel what I'm buying here. But, you know, it was, it was like, well, that's our store policy, you know, that, that we have to, uh, you know, take your information down and this, that, and the other. And so what I, what I did in several of the stores that I went to, when that happens, I just kind of, you know, mingle around the store a little bit. And I wait for someone that doesn't look like me come to the counter and ask for something. And by that, do you mean not black? Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just so I'm clear. Yeah. And, and, and they hand them whatever it is without hesitation, without a driver's license, without a driver's license. So eventually after I found a store that treated me like a regular customer, no fanfare. Hey, listen, this is what we have. This is what we're selling. This is how we make our money. Do you want to buy one? Those are the stores that I frequent and have spent thousands of dollars with over the years. Okay. So, you know, so I, I have those stores that, that treat me like a regular person. They don't look at my skin color. They, I am a customer. Yes. Now, here's a question, because obviously everyone has cell phones now that tell the time. Mm-hmm. Is watches more of a, a luxury status statement for men than actually wanting the functionality since everyone has the time everywhere now? Yes. Watches are definitely a luxury thing. Um, depending on what watch you buy, you're buying the style, you're buying the technology, the the, the craftsmanship, you're buying the, um, the idea of of owning uh, like a mechanical piece. It's like, it's like buying a uh, collecting cars. You can only really drive one car and all cars get you to the same destination, but mm-hmm. obviously some, women in purses. Some, I mean, that's exactly. And you shoes. know, and shoes. Well, sho- I, yeah. growing up, I remember people say when you meet a guy, always look at his watch and his shoes. <laughs> Most of your men fashion magazines still say the same thing that you judge you can quickly judge a man by his watch, his shoes, and his belt. Really? Still in 2020? It yeah. still says that? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Huh. And that's and funny about the belt because I, I had a photo with a guy once that I had sent or posted, and my, one of my best friends immediately says, he's wearing a Ferragamo belt. And I'm, I don't know that kind of stuff. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like, <laughs> right. And I, I'm very simple. I wear the same things all the time. It is funny how people will judge people based on things and even that whole what you were talking about knockoffs and stuff like that same thing with purses mm-hmm. but it get, goes back to what are we all doing here we're just trying to impress a bunch of strangers with a bunch of stuff that we're even gonna buy knockoffs oh. or try to mimic just to get approval from an outside source that yeah 
And this yeah. is all stuff and I'm learning through whiskey, too, because, you know, people are just more genuine. And that's why even the story of you and I met, I own that. I for sure was standoffish. I know that. Um, mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say I wouldn't be again in that exact same situation where it was kind of a business thing and I knew I was drinking and I didn't know people. Um, I probably could have been much more friendly. But to be frank, like, I am very friendly. So once I open that door to even smile or talk to somebody, sometimes it puts me in a really bad position where it's not always, and that's kind of coming from a woman's perspective that I know you have sisters and daughters that just in general, sometimes you have to be a little bit more, or I have to be a little more aware of um, holding back some friendliness that can be interpreted as flirting or open invitations and especially when alcohol is involved if you could whiskey with anyone in the world who would it be what would you ask them where would you be and what would you be drinking oh my goodness if i could whiskey <laughs> anyone in the world mm-hmm. oh, could be wow. alive or dead could be a fictional character or a real person well you know what I'm just going to be honest with you mm-hmm. and not trying to be sentimental or anything, but I would love to sit down and talk to Kobe mm. over a, over a because I'm pretty sure coming straight out of high school and doing what he did and accomplishing the things he did, you know, I, I know he's got stories that we could and talk about for for hours for hours. <laughs> if you only got would, one question, what would you ask him? I would ask him if he had to take his high school self and based on who he is today, what would the one thing that he would tell anyone that he meets? What is the most important thing that he learned on his journey to get to where he is? Because I'm pretty sure his his high school self made a lot of mistakes, probably trusted a lot of bad people. You know, I'm I'm sure it wasn't an easy road, but I'm sure his older self probably said, you know what, if I had took my money in the beginning and did XYZ, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't have had those years of struggle, blah, blah, blah. So I would ask, I would just ask him what, what was the most important thing he learned that I could take with me for the rest of my life and, you know, and, and see if it could help me in any way. Where would you guys be? We would probably be in Turks and Caicos. Mm. <laughs> Not bad. And what, uh, what would you be drinking? We would probably, uh, I, I think I would have to introduce Kobe to Japanese whiskey if he hasn't had any. You know, I know he smokes cigars, so I would, I would definitely offer him a uh, Cohiba Bahiki, but I think we would, uh, we would be drinking Japanese whiskey, probably um, a little bit of uh, Mizanira cask. <laughs> and I love that question you would ask him. So back on you, what would you, what, how would you answer that question for yourself? How would I answer that question? I would simply answer it. I would have my younger high school self talk to an older Kobe Bryant. (laughs) You know, I love that you're both girl dads, too. Um, And as much as I admire athletes for their, you know, stamina and what they do on the court or the field, much more so when they're a great human. 
Um, and I think his death really touched a lot of people that were not even basketball fans. Because he was, he was just he was a real person, you know what I mean? Seeing, seeing him die tragically like that really made me realize this, this guy was human and he was just trying to do like any other dad would do and support his daughter, you know. And on that note, cheers to Kobe, cheers to you, cheers to all the fathers out there. I will be thinking of mine up in heaven this weekend. And I just really appreciate you guys and look forward to more questions, more podcasts. If you have things you'd like me to ask, and remember, you can be totally anonymous. Email is Jackie at JackieJames.com. And no matter how uncomfortable, I am happy to ask on our behalf. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon.